Welcome to the Aquarimax Audio Show with Russ and Kim. We provide information on all kinds of aquarium-related topics. This is episode 322, recorded February 6th, 2017. Greetings, Aquarimaxers. Welcome once again to the fishy adventures of fishy things (laughs) and fishy people. And I'm sure you enjoyed last week's episode. That was fun record with Psychedelic Babe, mm-hmm. and uh, now we're back to answering correspondence. Yeah. So, I do have a couple of things, but who's uh, going to uh, participate in the show today? The one and only Mick from the one and only Carnforth UK, and Jeremiah in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Cool. Well, I'll get my stuff uh, said first, I guess. I have purchased a piece of egg crate, which is... Which is a funny name because it doesn't look anything like an egg carton. I think old-style egg cartons used to look kind of like that. Stiff plastic big mesh. Yeah, they're like half-inch squares of plastic mesh that's quite rigid. Uh, And I think the piece I got was four feet long and two feet wide. And it's a light diffuser. But the reason why I bought it was for, of course, the aquarium. Uh, the idea being that if you put it on the bottom of the aquarium, then you can put substrate over it or whatever, but then you can put rock work on top of it, and if the rock work happens to fall, instead of hitting the glass, and potentially causing a great issue, it hits the egg crate and um, diffuses the impact. So it's like the opposite of a force multiplier. Yeah. It's a force diffuser. diffuser. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like that. And so I purchased some. I, I'm working on the 29-gallon tank project, trying to get that done, but I'm encountering some difficulties. One thing is that the, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to arrange the rocks. I have to be really careful about it, because once I get the rocks arranged, I really can't move them, because chulitochromos are picky. Of course, moving it's a pain anyway, but chulitochromos are particularly picky. So once you've got the rock work in there and the fish in there, you don't really want to adjust the rock work or you risk the possibility of wrecking their pair bond. So I'm, I've been fiddling with it. Last week I put out a piece of something that was about the same size as the tank and arranged the rocks and took pictures and video of it and then arranged them again and kept doing that, trying to figure out what might work. It can be a difficult business, but it's kind of a fun challenge. I'm doing that with some lace rock. And then the sand, the sand in the tank right now is just aragonite sand. It's not quite deep enough, so I'm thinking I might put some of the pool filter sand that I have in with it, because you don't want to go really deep with aragonite sand in a tank like that, or you can run the risk of anaerobic pockets, which nobody wants. But the pool filter sand needs to be rinsed first, because dry pool filter sand has silica dust, which is a carcinogen, among other things. So you need to get it wet before you work with it. And of course our hoses are out, not working outside, so I'm going to need to get a bucket. Because it's winter, we have to yeah. wait for the outside water, you right. know, for the freezing part of the year to be done. Which will be a few months. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking I may just have to get a bucket nice and clean and then put it in the shower or something and run water all over inside the bag and then open the bag and clean the sand, which we'll see how it goes, but I might do that. And then, 
My multi-tank is doing really well, lots of babies all over the place, and the little balloon multi is producing babies again, so she just has a new little batch of babies, so now there are two females producing babies in that tank. It's kind of fun. I'm just going to have to figure out how to get the balloon multis out so they don't end up you know, breeding a lot in there. Um, still working on that one. I'm probably going to have to track which shells they go into and pull the shells out and let them come out and then move them into another tank or something. Anyway, there you go. A few things on my end, and now let's hear from Mick. He says, hi guys, just working on a few of my tanks tonight and thought I would share a couple of pictures. One is a new 60 liter planted up with some narrow leaf java ferns, windelaw ferns, and dwarf swords on a pale quartz gravel substrate that almost sounds like something on a mini. <laughs> <laughs> For an as yet undecided project. And it does look really nice in the tank. Yeah, the pictures yeah, look really sent nice. Us picture. We'll show you the pictures mm -hmm. on the show page for this episode. The other is my 40-liter Black Bar Endler's Tank, which is thriving. Yeah, they both look really cool. You can see the Martin filters on the, the right side of the picture. I think you like saying that. I do. Martin filter. That's why I said it, because I like saying that. You say it again. It's like... Martin filter. Mufasa! <laughs> say it again. <laughs> I've just picked up a group of five Limia Nigrofasciata? Nigro? Sure. It just N -I -G -R -O. depends on how you want to pronounce it. Fasciata. I don't yep. know, I probably butchered that. You pronounced it mostly like an Italian would, so that works. Okay. I'll, I'll be cool like the Italians. I think a lot of people say Nigro Fasciata, but I don't. Mm, I do. <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, these five particular fish, are they fish? Yeah. Okay. They're because, live bears. You know, you never know. If it's, I don't know scientific names. Maybe it's a crustacean. I don't know. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, Limia okay. are a group of live bears. Okay. Anyways, they are settling in nicely, he says. I will try to get a short video of them soon. They are in a tank with my gold, longfin, and citrus. I have a group of... What's L144 blue eye, lemon, and citrus? What does the L144 mean? Okay, well, and citrus are bristlenose, or bushy-nose, mm -hmm. plecos, right? Mm -hmm. um, that genus, and citrus is a particular genus uh, of... It's the bushy-nose genus, basically. Not the only ones that have bushy-noses, but well-known for that. Um, there are so many different kinds of bushinos and other uh, Placo-type fish in that group, you know, that they are don't have names, they very just closely have numbers. related group. Yeah, they've okay. decided to start numbering them. So they have L numbers for the ones that aren't necessarily described, but they're already in the hobby. Okay. So he says, I have a group of L144 Blue Eye Lemon and Cistrus coming in this week and have just been setting up a quarantine tank for them. Just to clarify on the dwarf orange crayfish, the babies when hatched are not larval, just tiny replicas of the parents. See, we were asking about that yeah. last time, so mm -hmm. that's good to know. And I would like to see some of this stuff when it, when it gets it. I, I don't know that I've ever seen a blue-eyed lemon and sisters. So I, I they have blue eyes and that. are they kind of lemon colored? That's what I'm wondering. Mm. Pretty interesting sounding fish. I like how he signed it. He says, best fishes Sent live from Carnforce Best Fish Room. <laughs> cool. Yes. Thank you, Mick. Thank you, Mick. Okay, Jeremiah in Grand Rapids says, Hello again. I haven't emailed in a while as I'm very busy with grad school. Oh, congratulations and condolences. Yeah. What are you studying? Been there and done that. Mm -hmm. That's uh, a mixed bag, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it definitely keeps you busy. Anyway, I added some neo 
Caridina shrimp. I'm not sure if they are truly wild type or a strain of mixed bloodlines, but they aren't anything fancy. I deliberately chose the more drab version so the neons would be less drawn to them. I may have lost a few, or perhaps they are better hiders, but the population as a whole seems to be doing very well with the neons. Good. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the wild type is the first one I kept. The wild type neocaridina that you could find in Hawaii at the pet store for 10 cents, or you could go collect it in local ponds if you knew where to go. That makes sense that they would attract less attention. I imagine that's why they look like that in the wild. Exactly. Yeah, that sort of mm-hmm. ability to change to almost solid brown and to almost completely transparent. Go anywhere in between mm-hmm. there. Um, that reminds me of a funny story. Can I tell the funny story? Tell the funny story. Okay. I have a friend and co-worker who has a small aquarium at work. Um, I have helped him with the whole process. I kind of got him into it. I may say so. You're his fish dealer. <laughs> yeah. Or his fish enabler or something. Fish enabler. <laughs> anyway, um, his betta that he had had for quite some time passed away not, not long ago, a few months ago. And he approached me not too long after that and said, I want to get something, you know, to put in the tank. And I'm not going to get a betta because, you know, we talked about the lifespan of bettas and everything. And he said, I don't know, I really can handle that again right now. I don't want to get a beta that'll only live a few years. Because, you know, the one he had lived a fair long time for a beta. You know, he mm-hmm. got it after it had already, it was already an adult and had been an adult for a while. It wasn't just recently purchased. Um, it had been part of a, a, a project, a training project for some time after it had been purchased. And then he got it as it was retired from the training project. So... He, uh, he had, you know, it lived for quite a while with him, but then uh, it passed away, and he, I, I'm not sure I can handle this. Uh, when dying, I want something maybe with a longer lifespan, or you just tell me some other options. And I told him, well, your tank's kind of small here, a couple of options you can do. And I said, you could do a few shrimp, um, and there are some brightly colored ones out there. And so he... Um, that's what he was interested in I, when I gave him his options for such a small tank. It's kind of a nano tank. And uh, he said, yeah, I like that idea. Let's, let's do that. And so he said, okay, well, I'm going to take you on a lunch break because we hardly ever take lunch breaks. We usually just work through lunch and eat while we're doing it. But he said, I'm going to take you on a lunch break and we're going to go to the pet store and you're going to help me pick stuff out. <laughs> and so I said, okay, I can do that. And so I took him to... Or he, well, he drove anyway. We went to the pet store, and he chose some blue neocaridina shrimp. Mm-hmm. That's what he wanted. And uh, he brought three of them home, uh, two females and a male, I believe is what he got, and put them in his little tank. And it's it was funny. He was like, they disappeared. I can't see them. Where'd they go? <laughs> and I'd say, oh, they're hiding. They're in there. I know they're in there. Because he's got a few plants. He's got some anubias and a little bit of java fern in there and stuff in his tank and we made sure to keep it cycled you know during the absence of the uh, fish there wasn't a fish in there so I was helping him keep it cycled and things like that so he's got everything going on in there and he's I can't see him I can't see him and then I'd I'd help him and here look he'd he'd call me or you know get my attention somehow and say come check this out and I'd say oh there's one and and this morning you know he got them on Friday so over the weekend he came and he said I came and I couldn't see any of them and then later he sent me a message, like an email. He said, I can see too. <laughs> and 
So they're all in there and they're all fine. One of them had shed its skin. He was a little worried about that. He's like, is that not a dead shrimp? Isn't that a dead shrimp? I said, no. The molted skin tends to be transparent and you can kind of see from the shape if you know what you're looking for. And dead shrimp are opaque and, you know, they tend to cloud up cloud up as they as they die and whatnot. And this is just a skin, so don't worry about it. And uh, then he, that's later on, he said, there are two of them, they're on the wrong side. I can see two of them. And I was telling him, it's okay. It's kind of hard to see three shrimp in a tank, even even a small tank like the one you've got. And uh, uh, But what will probably happen, as long as they breed, is that he'll get, you know, a big population of them. Well, not big population, because that tank can't hold a ton. It's only like two and a half gallons or something. Two gallons, I don't know, something like that. So it can't hold a lot of shrimp, but... Um, it's a cycled, well-established tank. It should be fine, uh, as long as he, you know, keeps up with maintenance and everything. But anyway, um, I explained to him that when I set up my Opaiula tank at work, I put like 30 shrimp in there, with all the lava rock and everything, and they just disappeared, and you could barely see any of them for like three weeks, maybe even longer than that. Mm-hmm. And it took a while, but eventually, I mean, now you look at my tank, you can see a hundred shrimp at any given moment, and there are a bunch of them hiding in the lava. But there are at least 100 shrimp visible at any time, maybe more, because they breed and then there are more of them and also they kind of relax after a while, they seem mm-hmm. to, so they get used to a particular setup. So something like that will happen to him. He won't have hundreds in that tank, it's not big enough, but he will have enough that you can see them, see them and it'll be easy to see them. So That makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, that was a long tangent, but it was related to it's shrimp. It's okay, it was a fun story. Um, let's see, where, oh, they're doing better than ants. Okay. Um, Jeremiah goes on to say, on a slightly annoying note, I took the string off one of my Java moss rocks and glued the moss down. The glue is really ugly. I put it on thicker than I meant to. It also doesn't hold the moss down as well, so every so often I have loose moss bits. (laughs) Well, this is actually good for you to bring up because I've heard a lot of things about uh, using like super glue, which I'm assuming you're using one of the super glue type glues, the cyanoacrylate, however you say that glues that uh, are supposed to work really well for gluing down plants and I know they're becoming more popular uh, and many of the things I have heard are positive so it's good to hear you know that they do have negative sides to using it because I haven't done a whole lot with that underwater Uh, but yeah so just you can hear that it's not always perfect Mm -hmm. because some people say oh it's so much easier than using thread and then you don't have to worry about taking it out. How does it grow if it's stuck in super glue? Well Generally what happens, and it depends on the, you know, the plant that you're using, I guess, and things, but mm-hmm. mostly it, it grips onto that part of the plant, but then the plant is going to start trailing around and gripping on by itself. Mm. And uh, conceivably, eventually the glue will, will detach from it, just like it does in a human, but by the time mm-hmm. it has done so, the plant has already attached itself. It probably takes longer. To the rock or the wood Yeah, it's or attached to the wood or the okay. rock or whatever. Interesting. It kind of covers up that spot where the glue was. Okay. Um, He says, as far as non-fishy stuff, I also ended up finally getting sick of crickets and bought myself a colony of lobster roaches. Now, Fueta Cineria. I was wary of them for years since they can climb glass and plastic, but a long discussion with my roach guy and using a gasket tub and I feel really confident about them. So far, I love using these as feeders. No more jumping. Well, I would love the no more jumping, but the only way I'm going to get that is if they invent crickets that can't jump. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no. Yeah, I've, uh, <laughs> maybe they'll invent crickets that can't jump someday. 
Maybe, but maybe no, that's cool. I hope they work for you. I've heard scary things about lobster roaches, and I've heard great things about them. So hopefully the great is, are the ones that you end up experiencing. It says, unfortunately, I experienced a massive die-off with my Ublabiris. Something like that. Distanti colony. As the basement was getting colder than I thought. I have the survivors in a gallon jar. I'll miss having a massive colony, even if it does make them more manageable. What are... They are also roaches. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to judge you. It just... Ugh. Okay. I'll try and do a quick video on my gecko and tarantula setup soon. I know the frog and skink setups went over well. Also, yeah. now that I'm on a normal day shift, I'd be willing to do an interview about my collection and experience once the semester ends. That would be fun. Yeah, it would. So let us know when the semester's going to end. We'll try to mm -hmm. plan Imagine something. Imagine somewhere around April or May. Yeah. So we're going to interview Mick and Jeremiah. Those are some of the people that have responded. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Be good. Yeah. Okay. All right, well... Do we have anything else for tonight? Not that I can think of. So, uh, I think we can say, with some confidence... Be with you. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Aquarimax For additional episodes, please visit Aquarimax.com. To leave comments or questions that could be featured on an upcoming podcast, leave a message at 801 or email us at info at aquariumax.com.